Welcome to Building the Oracle, a podcast about two dudes building a publishing house and film studio with little more than a pair and a ship and a bottle. I'm your host, Jay Swanson. And I'm Richard Bilkey. And today's guests are ourselves as we wrap up the final episode of our first season of Building the Oracle. The finale. The finale here. We have Zach with us in studio again, finally, at last today. Hey, Zach. Hi. It's good to have him here and Gustav taking a nap on the mat by the door. Uh, we're all back together. It's the first time we've been able to be back together since COVID struck. And it's the first time we've uh, seen Zach in person, actually. Oh, no, second time for me. First for Richard. Yeah, it's good to see Zach. And yeah. you too, Jay. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a minute. It's good to have you guys all in one room together. And it's only actually the second time I think I've seen Gustav. Third time. I don't know why I'm counting times I've seen people. Today we're talking about the last season and the future as well. We wanted to take a little bit of time to recap where we've been, where we started, what we've learned, uh, and then project that forward into what we're doing. Because we've, I think we've learned a lot, yeah. had some really good conversations along the way, and it's been a progressive series of reflections that we've wandered into as well um, that are really helpful both in, in general, but also just with the timing of world events and how everything's kind of fallen apart around us. It's been a, yeah, the, the, the six months, the six months that we've been recording this is, uh, been pretty eventful outside of there our own little, uh, plans, yeah. yeah. For one, it was rainy the other day, which was crazy. There were fires in Australia. There were, that's actually nuts. Yeah. <laughs> to think about, oh yeah. Are the bushfires done? Yeah. Was that yeah. this year? Yeah. That was last year. <laughs> but the end of last year. Yeah. But that's but that's what was going on when we started. Oh my, oh my goodness! Think about that. Yeah, we had an office. We were still. Uh, we when we started recording, I don't think we'd even made the decision to leave the office no, yet. No. So we were in the office in the Marais. We're now in a new temporary office offered to us by the Vosses. Thank you so much to the Vosses for letting us record in their apartment right yes, now. Thank you very much. Also in the Marais, so it's good to be back in the Marais. Um, so we've gone from uh, one office to another through office homelessness in the midst of a isolation global quarantine yeah. basically yeah we were isolated from each other uh zach and i both were completely isolated and totally 100 percent alone completely alone how'd you like that not so much <laughs> okay uh zach was not a fan i actually i i did okay it was a good t opportunity for me to kind of focus and reflect and i appreciated it but it did take its toll for sure and i know richard barely survived with uh acting as a living jungle gym yeah it was it was an intensive course in um parenting um, which uh, I, I think I got a pass, but it was it was pass conceded, I think. I'm not sure. I will say, I'll take this moment to say Richard is is a fantastic father. Uh, and from everything I see, he does a, a great job with his kids. And I cannot imagine being stuck in a, a small Parisian apartment for months on end with two small boys. I'm just going to put a recommendation out there for the Australian TV show Bluey. Uh, if you can get a hold of that <laughs> for, you, for, your, for your younger kids, do it. It's, uh, it's an amazing TV series and we've watched it a lot. Not sponsored. Lifesaver. Uh, not sponsored, but also. Yeah, hashtag not sponsored, but, and Gustav's growling at the recommendation. Yeah, right Gustav's seen way too much Bluey. <laughs> He's like, no <laughs> he <more." responds. laughs> Yeah, he doesn't like dogs on TV. He's happy to be in out. a different place. Well, yep. today we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about all of these experiences and, uh, and where we think it leads us to the next stage. And spoiler alert, this is going to be the last episode of this season, and we're going to definitely be on hold uh, for... At least six months. That's part of the discussion. We're just going to kind of see where things go because we don't know. I mean, if you would have asked me a couple months ago if I would be locked in my apartment for two months, I would have laughed and been like, no, please. <laughs> uh, so we don't know what's going to be going on in the near future. And uh, and we have some areas that we want to focus on, but we're going to talk about that yep. today. Uh, and so we don't have any, we're just going to jump right into it. We obviously don't have any intro music to have there, but thanks for tuning in and listening to this last episode. Yep. 
And with that, I'll hand it over to Richard to guide us through this. Yeah. Um, so I guess the idea here, I wanted to have a bit of a recap, um, you know, starting out with why we started this podcast series, um, what the, the idea behind doing this was and what our goals for it were. And, and, and really just ask ourselves, have we, you know, did we meet those goals? Did we, um, did we change midstream? Like where, how, how did that um, evolve? Uh, and so as, as we just discussed, you know, we started the podcast series in a very different place. Uh, we, we just moved into the office. We had, um, we were working together. We wanted to do a project together. And the, the whole idea of moving into the office and, and doing this was to, uh, was to try and find a way to focus on, on your writing, Jay, and make that more of a focus of your, of your time and your, um, your output. The, the podcast, uh, as we framed it back then, was, was a way to bring your audience into that uh, it was a way to hold us accountable to to you know commit to to doing the publishing house, and to to document that journey, um, but also as an opportunity for us to uh, to you know before we committed to it or as in the process of committing to it to go out and, and seek other voices out there, people who've been in the industry who uh, were doing things, find some diverse voices, find some experts out there, and and use it as an opportunity to consult with them and 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 learn more before we you know committed financially and. All that. So there were a lot of different things we were doing with this. We we're going to try to achieve with that. So, um, I guess Jay, how do you feel we've gone on on those goals? What's uh, let's start with the first one, just in terms of what's the first goal I mentioned there? To, I've, uh, I've, just, I've decided <laughs> to swear off writing and never put pen to paper. <laughs> yeah. So again. your yeah your goal of basically of I mean starting the publishing house and, yeah. and committing to that and and the, and your time management of your vlog versus your your writing. So yeah, I think a lot of it was the um, the desire to. Like you said, the desire to, to build that space more to focus on it. Um, and we struggle to some degree in Paris because we don't have space that's easy to, to dominate for four hours. So we have a couple of lo local spots that we do love that we're not going to mention here just because we've got to keep them secret if they come back open. But there are a couple of spots that we do like to go that we can sit for a while, but it gets a little bit tricky. And so having that space where we could just go sit and leave stuff out, that was my kind of like my dream of the whole thing was to be able to start letting my brain spill onto the page and then just leave it on the table for the next day. Some things that we, cause we, we'd done some really helpful brainstorming exercises at your apartment, which was really great. Um, and we've done them in other places, but you know, you always have to pack it back up. And so like that, that dream of privacy and the ability to just like stick stuff to the walls and, you know, do the full crazy man, like, yarn theories on the walls, whatever we were going to do was so attractive to me. Um, because I felt like, and I think that we lost, I think we lost the point of this for a little while as well. And that's what quarantine was actually really helpful for reflecting on a lot of this, but the idea that we were going to just start a slow burn that was going to build over time. And like in the process of putting everything on the table, in the process of really getting it out on the page, um, really kind of actually figure out what it is we had and what we were going to do with it. Because there's a sense, I have this sense and this belief that I have, you know, an, an immense amount of storytelling left to do. Like I think that I've got all these books and stories out there. We've now published, I think Steve the Unknown is the ninth book, right? So I'm one book away from my, from my 10th actual published book. And I've written a couple others that have never been published, but like taking that and, and pulling it apart and saying like, what do we really have here? And then, then building a plan around that to say, okay, well, then let's attack it this way. Let's write these stories and publish them in this order and go for it. Um, and I think 
in the excitement of it and then the the process we got to that point where we were like let's just start let's let's jump in and, and start publishing right away um which is tempting because i love publishing and i was i was just talking about this in my vlog today like i love and hate so many elements of publishing but mostly love and now that I'm done with that book, I like I want to make another book. Even though like two days ago, I was like, "Never show me another book again." Yeah, and that, I mean that's that's the whole point. We want to put content out there. We want to we want yeah. it published because um, the writing process is is great and fun, and uh, you know that that imagination process. But it's it's getting it out there and and getting it to readers. That's that's the important thing. So yeah, I think you know we both share that yeah. desire to 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 get it out. Actually, get it out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know I think. Obviously, we we were we were doing that. We we started the process of of digging in and and you know doing fantasy Fridays and 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 really trying to to work on your the world that you were building and and go back. We unpublished everything and and we started working on um uh you know the chronology and and the world building and and to set the scene. And we started looking at you know the first books we were going to publish and and I think two things happened. One, I mean, you know, doing the podcast and doing that. I think one. I think in terms of the goals of the podcast itself, um, and we can get back to this discussion in a second, I think the podcast was extremely useful in a lot of ways, and we'll discuss those. But one of the ways, one of the things that it did do was it took up space in our, yep. in our time. And, yep. and that was fine while we had the, while we had the, uh, uh, the office mm -hmm. because we had more time. We were together. At that point, you had moved from daily vlogging back to vlogging once a week. So there, yep. was, there was that space. Um, but then the quarantine hit and suddenly we didn't have that time face to face. And so the podcast became the only thing that we were really doing together um, yeah. through that time. That's a big part of it. And I think also there's, there was a, there were reality checks along the way with our time and energy yeah. where the, like it was a strain to get uh sea of the unknown finished. And we did, I'm really proud of that because we actually theoretically assuming that the books actually make it to people in the next couple of weeks, yep. got it out on time despite yep. a global pandemic yep. and everything else that's gone on. So that's something to be proud of, but it also highlighted like, okay, like we, we really need to start choosing. We only really have one open lane. So I think that, I think it is we recognizing, and this is one of my, my big weaknesses, recognizing limits and then adhering to them and, and yep. maximizing what you can within them. And so I think that like it's, we kind of put the cart before the horse in a way where we were like, okay, let's build a publishing structure and get this going where we should have been focusing more on the content itself and story development and building all that. Because I think once that's there, it's going to be the engine that drives literally everything. And we, that being the horse in this analogy, and it's, you know, instead we just spend our time on a cart that's not going to go anywhere because we, we won't be able to push it. I think that that uh, has been a really valuable lesson, but it also gets me more, a lot more excited because that also is giving us permission to do more of the fun stuff yep. first. But I really do think that like, yeah, let's, let's, one of the things that I learned, I mentioned this before, but one of the things I really picked up from quarantine and having slowed my vlogging schedule and all these things was that I I was putting all this pressure on myself to perform and produce um, at a level that no one was really demanding or expecting. And that when I pulled back a little bit, everything was fine. And that I could have a balance and I could be healthier <laughs> and I could sleep. Um, and that things would actually go well and grow and that I would improve in what I was doing. And I think that I wanted to apply that lesson as well to what we're doing in the sense that, okay, like let's refocus. Like the fantasy Fridays is a great idea where we, it may not be Fridays right now, given how everything has changed and like your kids schedules have changed, but finding a time every week where we just sit down and dedicate it to like, okay, 
Like, this is what we've been thinking about. This is where we're going. And I think that that's where we'll actually also generate a lot more energy to move forward. Whereas something like building a structure or talking about publishing schedules when we don't have that built yet just generates stress and like the, the pressure to perform on something that we're not necessarily ready to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and going back to what you're talking about in terms of the difference between building a structure and, you know, uh, versus building the content. And I, I think the, the idea, the assumption we had going into it was uh, that if we build a structure that'll, you know, we build it, we, we push it forward, we keep ourselves accountable to it, then the content will just flow from that. Right. Like we, we would care about the content. I think the, um, the issue there was that we probably just underestimated um, one, how much time, uh, you know, the structure would take or we, we didn't predict the barriers that were going to come up for us, you know, having to move out of the office and then having the isolation, obviously, who could predict that? But sure. um but in terms of also the content production and and the collaborative side of that as well and how much that affected it. So, yeah, the external factors there and, and who knows if, if we stayed in the office and we kept going as we did, you know, this could be a very different story. Um, but yeah, so talking about the, the, the two sides of that, the content production and the, and the building the structure, I think there are some good structures that we've actually built that will yep. outlast this. Um, the number one thing I can think of is, is the Discord um, group there. I mean, that... It's not just a publishing structure, but it came out of this podcast series. Was the idea of uh, it might have been something that you'd been thinking about before, but it was sure. something that was triggered by the series. You know, something we discussed as part of the series and and started that. And I think that structure there, that community structure, has been the big win for me yeah. coming out of this process. Um, obviously, there's the Patreon as well for um, for building the Oracle, but um, and we'll, we'll discuss what we're going to do with that in a second. So, yep. all you patrons there. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but that Discord server has been, uh, I think, just an incredible piece of uh, an addition to your community, especially through the quarantine. I yeah. think it, it was really useful there. But I think also if, if one of the big goals of this podcast was to, uh, was to really introduce or, or bring along your existing YouTube audience into your fictional world and into that auth your authorial world, uh, and to let them see that process in action, um, then I think building that Discord server and, and, and letting them into that, I think it's been, you know, worth it just on its own. Um, yeah, 100%. Well, and I think it's it's been cool to see, I think more than anything, and thank you to those of you who are listening that have listened the whole time, and for those of you that have jumped onto the Dread Gods Patreon separately as well and become super patrons along the way, all of you. Um, we really appreciate it. I think that it has been a demonstration of like that distillation of, that core group of just people that are going to be with us kind of no matter what that we got to interact with more yeah. through discord and we got to talk through Patreon and, um, and the discord server has been great. And even if it's been small, that's actually been kind of the charm of it to a large degree. Um, and we are really grateful for that. I think that that's also something that I learned through, I mean, this, this, this entire episode is basically turning into like, which I think is fair. Like the, what have we learned in the last six months mm. to a year um, because all of this is intertwined and the vlogging side of things, like I, I was really worried and I did take a huge hit when I stopped daily vlogging. Like I saw a number of people leave my Patreon shrank. Like there are a number of things that were 
that were unfortunate out of it, but I also gained a lot out of it by getting some time and having some space and, and, you know, recognizing that I would like to get back to daily blogging at some point because I really do enjoy it, but also that it was killing me. Um, mm. And largely because I came out of a place where I didn't have anything to give to begin with. So starting was kind of like, you know, like when you, you, you've already used up all the fuel, so you just start burning the tank. Um, that's where I was basically at. And um, it's not real. It's not a real thing, but that's what I was doing to myself. So if you saw Richard's expression at that metaphor, you would have known why I felt like qualifying no, no, that. No, you, <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm, you know. I'm someone who's, who's suffered uh, chronic fatigue uh, yeah, in the past. Yeah. So I know what it feels like. Yeah. So I think um, oh, what it showed me though, was that there was, there was a floor though too, where like my Patreon dropped to a certain degree, but then it didn't keep going. And there was the support of this group of people out there that, that, that really believed in what we were doing um, in what I was doing. And that was so encouraging and it gave me, both the ability and the strength to, to, to stop and to just see like where I was and to take care of myself first for once. But then it's also learned me that lesson as my uncle might say, uh, that now I want, I, I, I feel like there's so much benefit to slowing down, like slow your role has kind of been the, the phrase that keeps coming up for me to be like, okay, well, like, what, what is it that we really want to do? What are we looking to accomplish? All that to say that, like, it, we are so thankful for you listening right now, and we're so thankful for that group of people that have given us a little bit of space to be free to actually figure out, okay, what is the best course of action forward? And, like, giving me the ability to vlog weekly, and I never really found my rhythm with that, but getting to a place where I felt healthy and ready to take another stab at daily vlogging, like, that wouldn't have been possible without those people. So I think... I mean, it's cheesy because we keep coming back to it. Like, I always come back to it. But it's true that, like, our patrons and that core audience of people who are always there, even if they're not patrons, but are always there and always supportive in whatever way they can be, are the ones that are making all this possible, but also, like, the, the greatest part of all of this. Yep. Like, the, they're the part that if we, if we get nothing else out of this, that's the best thing we got out of it. Yeah, undoubtedly. And, yeah. Uh, and even just learning to trust that and and rely on those people it's such a it's such a gift yep agreed um i guess the other thing we need to talk about is you know the the structure of the podcast um particularly in the, the first half of the series was uh you know we had an interview we then had a bit of a consulting little section after yep. that and then we talked and had action points to to go on with after that and those action points fell away a little bit at the end um i kept trying to put them in there but to a lesser degree, but um, there are certainly some action points. You know, I think we yeah. were pretty good most of the way. I mean, we did we did take that seriously, and we did. You know, there was a lot of those. There's a lot do. of things we did get. There done. were a few that were outstanding um, yep. that we never did, and one goes right back to the start, which yep. was to uh, to come up with a, a uh, statements of you know mission statement, uh, value statement, and a vision statement for the for the project. Yep. Um, that's probably the one that comes to mind in terms of you know those action points that we we didn't follow up on and we had full intention of doing that in fact we've had a lot of conversations about this yep. it's not that we've we just sort of did it and moved on we've um we've been back and forth about this a lot and yeah. in fact we discussed a lot about turning this episode into the um uh going through and, and creating that um that value statement and i think with with uh you know the current events out there in the world with the black lives matter movement obviously what's happening with covid out there you know there's uh, i think that you know, the awareness that that's brought to us uh, in terms of the publishing. And I think that if we if we even look at it, like the if we did it at the start, if we did a value statement at the start, I think that actually we would have missed out on a huge amount of the learning that we got through this series, um, not just from the experts we talked to who were extremely valuable and I think 
helped us a lot, but also just from world events, um, you know, specifically the the Black Lives Matter movement. That's that's you know just changing. I think everyone's perspective on things at the moment. Um, I, I particularly uh, in the publishing um, perspective, I want to look at uh, draw people's attention to the hashtag publishing paid me, which if you want to see how um, you know publishing is being affected by this, I think that that's um, worth worth looking into. And I'm kind of glad that we you know we haven't done that yet. Uh, or that we waited and we didn't, you know, set that in stone. Then we we said, okay, let's let's use this series as a way to, you know, get a lot of inputs into into those things. And um, we decided against doing that this episode, um, mainly because we thought that it wasn't. I think it's valuable to to do as an exercise, but I'm not sure it would have been a great, you know, exercise on a, on a podcast. And two, um, we both felt that if we're going to pause this anyway, that doing the, the value statement and the mission statement now and then sort of having this thing just stay in hibernation for a while would be like doing the value, you know, the value statement back then and then doing all this learning and not updating them. So let's, let's move it forward. But, um, but I do really want to acknowledge that, you know, that's saying that we, we have definitely been talking about. And, and I think through the season, you know, we've talked to uh, the, the one that really comes out to me is our conversation with Michelle Quo um, and her book reading with Patrick and, how much that, you know, I, I, I've been referring back to that episode a lot um, in the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, the way that she talked about engaging with her students and, and, and the, the, the assumptions that she had going in there, all the, you know, the very, the best assumptions and, and um, coming from a minority herself and then, and then going in and, and working with people and just realising that she just, with all the best intentions, she was, she was wrong and she had to listen. And so, you know, for me, that's been, uh, you know, a small microcosm of the whole season is, is you know, sitting back and listening. And, and I thought I knew publishing from my little spot in Australia where I grew up, you know, learning, learning the ins and outs of the publishing world. Um, but I'm only a small corner of it and I feel like I've learned a lot um, through this series as well. And I hope, I hope listeners, you know, it's not just, you know, I know, I know people listening might not be that interested in publishing, but I hope there's been things in this yeah uh in the, in the podcast series that have helped them think about publishing differently and the books they read differently but also um society in general yeah it is a different world i think that it has a lot of uh shiny and glamorous veneer to it still that yeah no matter almost no matter what you do it that it seems untouchable even with like the publishing paid me hashtag uh which is always shocking to me to see even though i know those figures like there's certain people where you're like really like are you kidding for those of you that are unaware the publishing paid me hashtag was basically just trying to bring transparency and shed light on the realities behind uh, how authors are paid and how they're treated um and there's a lot that's tied into uh the black lives matter movement as well and seeing how people of color are treated differently and um and there's a lot to dig into, which I think is both good, fascinating, and depressing all at the same time. Um, but for me, in these conversations, like talking with other authors, talking with uh, publishing experts, talking with people of, of all varieties, um, has really highlighted for me as well that like the path that we've chosen, the path that I've been on for the last decade, is one that I'm grateful for. It's one that I need to, I need to learn and level up in a number of ways, like Steve and Jane really pointed out. There are elements that I, that we need to actively improve on, but, um, there's so much benefit to staying the course on, on it Mm. 
that like I've had moments and I still think that, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get my little blue check mark. So I should probably traditionally publish something. I had a dream that I had a blue check mark on Twitter. You deserve one more than any of us at this table. Let's be honest. Nah. Because everybody's always. I, did, I just realized I dreamed that last night that I had a blue check mark. That on is an interesting account. dream to have. So random. Did you be able to have a direct conversation with anybody famous because of this? I think I. I, I no. You got to use that so. blue check mark, so. man. So there's always that element of it where it's like there are very valid and valuable reasons. And if somebody wants to go the traditional route, go for it. Like there's nothing wrong with it. I have nothing against it. But for me as a person, I love so many elements of the process of actually creating the whole book instead of just yep. writing the, the, the innards. Um, that like I really love that ability to have my just be elbows deep in that whole process. And in talking to so many friends that are authors and have are you know in the midst of all kinds of horror stories along those lines um i think it's worth the the struggles that we have on our side mm. and the challenges that come with being your own publisher um it's it's worth it yeah can i can i push you actually since we're, we're talking about this um and I know, you know, we just we just kind of excused ourselves from for making a value statement or a mission statement at this yeah, point. Yeah. But in the context of publishing paid me and um, Black Lives Matter, like how does that affect? Do you think, um, you know, how would you incorporate that into the into the the mission statement, the value statements for what you want to do over the next five years? And let me let me frame that a little bit. Um, in a in a mission statement, the you know the way that I would you know that we would create one is really to to think about what we do for our customers, our readers, what we do for our employees and what we do for Jay, who is the owner of the company. So that's that's a very simple condensed version of, of what a mission statement is, is. Our mission is to serve customers, to do things for our employees and also for the owner of the company. So, um, And a value statement obviously is, is to look at, you know, what are the, the, the values, the ethics um, that, you know, that uh, – that you want to drive, not necessarily that the business, but but how you do business um, and how you how you impact the world around you. So, um, yeah, specifically with with the recent events, how how do you think that might change, or is there anything that you picked up from there that you think you would definitely incorporate now that you might not have, or that you might uh, you know, for example, we talk about diversity, and we've we've talked before about including more diverse authors. So, if we get to a stage five, ten years from now. Um, where you've got other people, other authors coming in and writing in your universe. Yeah, we've we've talked a lot. And it's always been a thing to have. I think that's how you have to divide it because I think that on the front end, it's 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 like how does that affect me personally? Yep. And on the back end, like you have your first five years and your second five years. It, yeah, it's things we were already talking about too. I don't. I I feel like the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, it's been around for a long time, and the struggle has been around forever. Um, and the moment definitely highlights the need to add momentum to that and try to push for change. I think that, you know, if anything, it highlights the need to listen and to um, be cautious to, to really empathize with people that are in a position that they they need that empathy. They need somebody to listen to them and they need somebody to to stand with them. So I think that I think that that I want. I would like to say that that's always been the case, but I also recognize that like. I look back on a lot of my writing and it was so it was very inward focused in how I and how I approached it which ultimately is is an important part of writing any book and you if you have a, a sole origin of creation with any piece of art it's going to reflect that creator but it's important to take stock and to find the appropriate ways through listening and then through finding the people that you can in, in, incorporate into the process 
to bring not only like I guess like that externality of like diverse voices and like a different worldview into the project, but also to reflect against and to make sure that what you're making um, is is only helpful to the things you want to be helpful to and on, and only harmful to the things that you want to destroy. Because, you know, inherently science fiction, fantasy, those things are, are very political and wanting to make sure that you're very clear and aware, even if it's not explicit, even if it's not overt, that you're aware of what it is that you're proposing and that you also live up to that i keep thinking about like you know orson scott card or jk rowling right now who are people yeah i'm not going to touch jk rowling right now because that one i don't know i i but orson scott card is actually i think a fantastic example of somebody who made a wonderful argument and treaties for acceptance and tolerance and happens to books be the exact opposite as a person so his books are these amazing examples of like what good comes from being humble and kind and empathetic and then he doesn't live up to that to the point that he's not invited to you know conventions and stuff anymore because it makes people of color or people of different sexual orientations uh, rather uncomfortable to have him around. And so, um, like, literally, there's uh, Natasha got invited to speak at a conference in Spain that he got invited to, and they sent her a warning email that he was coming, which is just so stupid as well. Like, why are you bringing somebody here who you then have to warn all your other panelists and so forth? That it's, anyways, we don't want to be those guys. We don't, we, and we also don't want to be going out there and saying, like, yeah, we need to love people and accept them and and challenge, you know, fascism, challenge these these modes of thought that you never would have thought 10 years ago would even be remotely political to say, yeah, I don't believe in fascism. Um but that we that we as people within what we're doing live up to those values. And that's really important for me as somebody who lives very publicly already, but in my work, like I recognize going back like into the Nanton, for example, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Got to be really careful with that because like I approached that from a neo-colonial mindset with the idea that I was going to tear down subvert it. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to subvert the, the main character is fairly racist and misogynist and he goes into it and is hopefully changed throughout that. But I wrote it from a place where I was changing too. And it's stuff like that. That's like, we got to make sure that that's actually doing what it's trying to do. Cause I don't think that I, I almost don't, I'm almost less worried. Maybe this is a red flag. I'm almost less worried about myself personally than I'm about my work because I'm worried that they're, they're one in the same, but I'm worried that my blindness, my inherent blindness is just that much more apparent in my work. Um, and so wanting to take the time to pull that apart, make sure that we're saying what we're wanting to say and then turn around and look at myself in the mirror and be like, okay, now how do I apply that to me as a person? I think it's a really, really valuable um, thing that we are learning from this moment, but also that hopefully we've been learning for the last few years and had such great conversations through this podcast with people that I think have been beneficial along those lines. Um, I'm always going to have my blindnesses. I'm always going to have my biases, but I want to be open and willing to hearing about it from people who can see it in me and also changing in myself what I'm able to see and change. So I think that that's like, that's as far as value statement and mission statement on the front end, that's the most important part. And then on the back end, when we do have places to open up to uh, other authors, other creators, artists, people of all kinds, like we, we yeah, I wanna make sure that we're, we're getting diverse voices and people in there because that also enriches the work. Yep. It's not just so we can put a poster on the wall that has every color and no, gender not in ticking it. boxes. No, I'm not looking for a diversity poster. What I am looking for is to strengthen 
what it is that we're building and to bring different mindsets, worldviews, values, voices to that is going to make such a more fascinating universe story. Uh, um, no, I, I, I think that's exactly, you know, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I, I know the way you've, uh, you approach this. It's, it's, it's a holistic thing. It's not just a box ticking exercise. Um, you see the value in, in diversity and equality and, and, uh, and lifting people up, you know, um, you're very much, you've always been a believer of, we lift all voices up, everyone, um, everyone benefits. Um, putting that into a, uh, you know, a mission statement framework, um, you know, and, and isolating just the bringing in diverse voices to, to, uh, to improve the quality of your work. Uh, you know, for the audience, that means that we're actually opening up to your readers they get to see a more diverse range of voices in the work, a more authentic range of voices. It opens it up to a wider audience because there might be more people, you know, we may have had a very white male readership just because that might have been the only people you're appealing to. Um, uh, but now, hopefully, with different voices coming in, um, then perhaps your audience expands and, and you, you get a bigger audience who can appreciate your work and, and, and enter you into your universe. And from your point of view, uh, as the owner, um, you know, that makes, you know, you have a business that is, uh, you know, probably more successful and also more um, rewarding for you personally. So, you know, that's kind of how we'd look at, you know, and I said we're not going to go into the mission statement and, and find craft, the word craft of that, but that's kind of how we're looking at this is to try and really focus on those three parts. Yeah, when we first got the office, I actually talked to a friend about painting a sign for us to put up over the mantle that was going to be in like, maybe in Latin or something, but I wanted just because it looks cooler in Latin, let's be honest. But like the, but basically to be a, to be a good citizen is what I wanted. Yeah. And what we talked about when we first got the office and this ties into this was like, how do we, how are we good citizens of our neighborhood? How are we good citizens of Paris? How are we good citizens of this world? And how do we approach that through what we're doing here? Yep. And that's, that's one of those cornerstones of it for sure that you know we'll 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 get there it is something that i really want to dive into especially when i look at like um particular methods of going about honing in on a on a mission statement it's really important i think it's just like you said we because we've we've kind of had a delightful flounder the last year um we've been flopping around trying to figure out what direction we're headed in and i think we've gained a lot of insight through the exercise itself i'm really glad we didn't necessarily codify something but like having these conversations we've we've never stopped having them and codifying something soon even while we're on a break i don't think would be harmful i think it'd be beneficial and i think that i do think that we yeah i think that having just being able to have that focus there's a release to it as well because being scattered and all over the place is definitely one of my great weaknesses and sins so uh, focus. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of focus. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we, we may have to do some sort of retreat. Uh, turn the vlog off for a week and get out of Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah and do something like That'd that. That'd be great. I'm done. Um, yeah, and just to the tie, tie a bow on on that as well. The other things I was thinking about in terms of, um, you know, it's one thing to, to to talk about, you know, bringing people in in diversity, but there's a lot of actually, and this is again what the publishing paid me hashtag brings mm. up a lot is the structural biases that are in there that. Mm. Um, you know, people might have the goal to be, you know, diverse, but even if you're bringing in new authors, diverse authors, um, what the publishing paid me hashtag shows is that they're paying them less. 
Um, they're yep. giving them smaller advances and it ties back to the sales projections are less because the bias of the, the marketing team and the sales team is that, oh, well, well, we'll compare this book, you know, this this black author's book to this black author's book. Oh, that black author's book didn't sell as much as this white author's book. So, the you know, the sales projections are going to be lower. Therefore, the marketing budget's lower. Therefore, you know, we're, we're going to end up with a, a smaller advance. And and it, it, it it's a cycle, you know, yeah. just perpetuate a bias cycle. So we need to tackle those as well. And that yeah. means thinking about things like, hey, if we're going to do this, we need to make sure we've got contracts that are, you know, when we contract authors or bring them in, that, that the pay scales are all equal that yep. uh, and that we're not just putting out there that you know when we're actively looking for this we are actively looking for diverse voices as opposed to just um, expecting them to come through the door um, and that we're thinking about how do we actually um, you know really actively lift, lift up black voices or, or you know diverse voices like how do we actually do that yeah um, now and this is just one aspect we're focusing on this particular aspect of the business um, because this is one opportunity we see down the track but there are other things that we need to think about that we can do um, yeah, I think, that it, I think that it it comes down to, like, why are we doing this? And it's, like, it's yeah. fun to tell stories and it's fun to share. Like, the, I have a personal drive to share the stories that are in my head, but if we can build something, then using that to, to benefit people who need help or to do good things or just to, just to even think in terms of, like, well, how do we just do this as best and as right as we can? Yeah. Um, I don't know, because, like, for me, one of my other great sins is that as soon as I make any money, I immediately, like, support an artist that I love. Great. <laughs> sort of, except then I spend, I always, it's always, I always, it's always, it's, it's gotten me more than once where I'm like, well, there, there, yeah. So anyways, but I think, but that's the mentality that I want to, I want to get to a place where we're stable enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Where we look at it and we think, okay, we have this chunk of money, like. But we can, and we can be strategic about who you support. We can be and, strategic about yeah. it. And then, but then in like, in, yeah, investing in art and investing in mm. artists and people that yeah. are, are in a place where they, they could use a break. Yeah. And the world is just a better place. I love the Macklemore quote that a life lived for art is never a life wasted. Yep. And I think that that is so true of what we're aiming to do. And, um, and we want to definitely get back into it full, full force. Yeah. But I think that the other side of it is then too, um, with building all of this, like that highlights the need and the, the real benefit of like kind of the owning the whole system and building something that's one of the reasons why i'm so focused on making sure that youtube is essential it's a great opportunity i love doing it and it, it's so fun but then it's like well we that needs to keep going because it presents us hopefully we hope with opportunities to 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 grow into something that uh we don't have to worry about necessarily obviously sales projections all that stuff's going to be important to some degree but like if you know that we're all working within this this enclosed environment we're telling a story and it's moving forward you also can build some things that protect whoever you bring into it so that other biases, whether they're structurally inter internally structural, internal structural biases, whatever, or external biases from the outside world, um, you can actually use that, what you're building, that, that, that monster of a, of a storytelling mechanism to protect the people that you put inside of it to run it and to create it. Um, and I think that doing that as well, uh, providing a safe space for people to be the creative person that they were meant to be, I think that is something that really attracts me to. Like I want, when you're talking about like bringing in diversity, like I was thinking like, yeah, I just want friends. I just want people that I respect, that I, that I love their work and that we can, we can offer something to them that gives them the space and the freedom to create and make things the way that they always wanted to. Granted, there will be some restrictions as far as like, well, you know, uh, it, 
it it can't have Mickey Mouse in it. But you know, <laughs> then there, but outside of that, like you know, I, I'm I'm really I'm excited for the potential for that. So, and I think this has been a really great exercise this last six months and the last year and all the conversations that we've had to make sure that my my mind remains open and that and to challenge where it has been closed or where it has been narrowed um, to say, yeah, but wouldn't it be better if we opened it more if we did, you know, and so we do run the risk of making things too open and, and making as far as like, especially in a tor- storytelling standpoint, like if your universe has no limits, yep. you're going to get lost in it. But at least we can entertain everything along the way as we set those limits. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were talking about, it's going to be some time before you bring in other authors anyway. Um, sure. With, there's a lot of work you need to do. We're assuming anybody that, wants to write. Yeah, exactly. Me. So yeah. that, you know, that, that is a long-term goal. I had to pay you guys handsomely just to set foot in this room. So, you know, yep. to be with me. And Gustav, just, just, just to out, come yeah. in here. He's uh yeah, he doesn't come in here just for, just no, I, I have a whole pack of bologna for him. He'll be fine. Excellent. Um, so there's, there's a lot, you know, that, you've got to work on yourself beforehand yep. and, and that's where, uh, you know, that world needs to be very well defined and, and have its, you know, have a very strong momentum and trajectory so that people can come in and know where the, where the guardrails are sure. anyway. Um, and which means that in terms of diversity and, you know, there's a lot, you, um, you know, we talked about in the Nanton and, and really thinking about um, did you really succeed in terms of a, you know, subverting post-colonial um, literature. And I'm, I'm not the editor to come in there and tell you whether you did or didn't. So, you know, we, we may need to, you know, well, we definitely need to go and give that to, you know, beta readers who have a much better idea on that than we do. So, um, but in terms of characters, you know, who, you know, the, the, the characters that you put into it and the, the, the world that you create in there, there's a lot that can be done in, in that space as well. Um, it's, I, I, I sometimes think, um, oh, sorry, I sometimes think, I, I reflecting on, on, um, publishing paid me and, and Black Lives Matter and having discussions with friends around it. Um, one thing that struck me was what would the world, you know, the, the literary canon of the world, what would the educational book lists um, that are out there look like if the gatekeepers um, of, uh, you know, the gatekeepers and the, and the people who made decisions about which books get published and which, bo- which books get put into bookshops and that, if, if that had been uh, representative of the diversity in our community, what would that literary canon look like now? And um, not just which authors are published, but which ones are influential, which ones might have changed um, the way that, you know, you know the, the, the literary landscape that we're, we're in. And I think that's maybe a perspective we need to think about when we... Because I think a lot of people are a bit scared about where we're going in terms of, you know, people are understanding, people are reading books now. The New York Times bestseller list is now uh, this week is uh, a lot of mainly the non-fiction list unfortunately the fiction list hasn't quite caught up but you know white fragility and and all these books around um this uh, is now what people are reading and that's the first step people are taking i think is is to read um but there then needs to be action and and i think a lot of people are looking at that and thinking well hang on what does that mean for for things like book lists and you know in schools do we get rid of a lot of stuff do we have to put in you know like what does that actually mean what's it going to look like in practice and it's a bit scary um and one of the things i think that we can do in action is, you know, when we're writing stories and we're doing this, is we just have to be conscious. But anyway, I, I think we've yeah. we've we've. Well, and I think that it's also it's a good reminder that this isn't just a moment; it's an ongoing. Yeah, it's a never-ending exactly, yeah. battle, and wanting to have these conversations that we've been having and bring the the voices in that we've brought in, and just be thoughtful about it and mindful about it, so that we are 
we're setting ourselves on a trajectory. We're not just having a moment. Exactly. Is really important. And so that's a lot of it's just doing the work and setting those things in motion now so that we don't even hopefully realize that we're being half decent human beings later, that we're just focused on improving our half decentness yep. instead. So yep. Zach, do you have any thoughts here for us too? You've been sitting silently and listening so patiently. I guess sort of like um because you, you know you're you're talking a lot about how you know you went back to daily vlogging and writing and publishing, you know, focusing on diversity. I guess like we spent the last six months doing this. Like, what do the le- next six months look like in terms of sort of your writing schedule, the world building you've been doing, taking the advice from the last uh, eleven episodes? I guess. I mean, and as, as we said earlier, you know, it's hard to say because the last six months have been completely unpredictable. Um, so ignoring the chance of any, you know, future global catastrophe. Like, where do we go from here, I guess? Couldn't get worse, could it, the world? It couldn't be he another twist in Richard 2020. Said it. Richard said it. You can <laughs> burn him when the, when it happens, whatever it is that's happening next. Um, yeah, I think that for me, I, I think daily vlogging is something I'm going to reincorporate because it. what I keep coming back to is how valuable the conversation is that can be carried that way like being able to show up every day and literally if i'm just having a terrible day just sit down and be like my day sucks and here's why um is so valuable for that audience and for me and just that the 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 conversation that goes back and forth between us i can't i haven't figured out how to replicate that any other way so i'm going to keep doing that i think i'm gonna i'm not going to make myself do it for a year plus ever again but i'll do it for like you know, a month on, a week off, or three weeks on and a week off, something like that yeah. for the foreseeable future and just see how that goes. And I, I think, you know, the people around you who might be giving you, you know, signals if uh, we think it's... Yeah, please yeah. do. Feel yeah. free. Yeah, if Gustav <laughs> starts nipping at my heels again... Uh, on uh, he nips at heels. He just he's like, not he, nippy anymore, but he, he starts no, getting no, nippy summer, on. No, he, loves, he loves naked ankles. He just loves <laughs> licking naked ankles. He's all about those naked ankles. Yep. So he's like an 18th century Frenchman. Um, so... In so many ways. In so many ways. Um, so I definitely want to uh, get back to writing as well. And I talked about this in my vlog today some too. But like, Because it was good to process this. I pro- Before you guys came over, I was filming so I would process this a little bit. And I actually get really excited to think maybe I'll vlog for three weeks and then write for a week. Mm. And build that structure. where like Because I can't really do both very easily. It's really hard to write new stuff and make a vlog every day my brain that's when my brain starts to break but if i can write for a week oh my gosh like and then actually set myself sit myself down ignore the internet ignore everything as much as i can and just focus on that like that actually sounds so exciting to me it sounds really invigorating so i think i'm going to try and work in a schedule like that and that can include world building stuff that can include another nonfiction book if we think that's worth pursuing that can include just diving straight into a book uh fiction that sounds really exciting to me. So that yeah, I, I like that idea. Um, as someone who, you know, myself, I need to deep dive. Um, you know, this is this is where the struggle for me with parenting has been with yeah. managing this is that I need four hour blocks because it takes me an hour to get into the work. I can then work for a few hours and get a lot of product, and then and it takes me an hour to kind of pull myself out. Like yeah. if I'm, I, I can't switch tasks on things like that. And uh, yeah, and so I, I, I don't know how you do what you do i don't know how you are so productive um with so many things going on either to be honest i think maybe that's why like i physically feel like i need to go see a doctor uh (laughs) but the yeah but i think that's the that's what excites me then is to say well it helps i don't have kids um but that's what excites me then to uh 
to get into that. So I think that the schedule will look like vlogging. The vlogging is weird too because like a lot of the stuff that I would be going and doing for the vlog isn't open or available. Um, but that's also kind of cool because then I get to show Paris during this period. So I'm trying to f figure that out right now. But I do think that the rest of this year, especially because tourism is probably not really going to come back, at least not full force. Um, and because I have this really cool opportunity to be more centrally located. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very much like vlogging, loosely committing right now. I'm going to finish a full month to start, but kind of, I think, yeah, three month, three weeks vlogging, one week writing sounds like a really good balance I think that's to a, me. Yeah. I mean, look, we try it. You, you, you try it and you see and, yeah, see how it goes. and the value of the discord is that you, you know, you've opened that channel up for, for feedback and. Dude, that's so exciting. I could write a book in two months that way. Like if you think about it, yep. Like if I sat down and just wrote full time, you really got into it. Two weeks. I mean, I'd have to know what I was writing going into it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I could set myself that challenge. Okay, yeah. let's give me, let's give it three. So weeks. okay, so let's 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 bring this back to. We're getting now. I'm getting manic. That's a problem. Yeah. That, yes. Um. Yes and no. Oh, um, it's kind of fun. The content's got to come from somewhere, and mania is a great. Content I producer. do love my manic episodes. Um, so. I've not been diagnosed. No, with but that, Zach, Zach's. Um, no, no, we we <laughs> joke about it, but yeah. Um, no, but Zach, you bring up a good point. Um, there are you know things that we've we've talked about that we want to do um, through this series. Um, obviously, opening a publishing house is the main one, and we don't we haven't even announced a name for the publishing house. Another thing we discussed doing in this episode right. was to announce a name. Again, we decided no, we're not going to do that yet yeah. because uh, we just we just at the end we it's we not right. we had hoped at the start of this series it's after six months that we'd be able to launch a publishing house. I, I hoped yep. but you were always you always push back on that a little bit yep. um but i i always see the value of like okay set an ambitious goal and and see if we can do it yep. and um you could call it a failure in, in that sense and we failed that goal but i don't think i think setting the goal and, and yeah. trying to achieve it we, we've we we've got it. a lot done that now um so we don't have a name for the publishing house we do uh you know, we've got a commitment to keep going with it. This is not a, oh no, look, this didn't work. We're, we're turning it off. What we're looking at doing here is saying the podcast, we're going to pause and we're going to throw ourselves into the content production and, and just focus on the books and the content and make sure that, the, you know, because that's that's what the, the publishing house is all about is, is that content. Yeah. And that hasn't got the, uh, the attention it deserves. And so... I we're think that's where it really, I think that is really where it deserves the attention. And also that the fact that like, cause we were looking, we were starting a new company. Yep. Like the, we were doing all these things that aren't, we have to rethink because like even starting the new company, it's like not only the expenses going into that, but like the fact that like our income got cut in half. Yeah. It does it even, is it even justified to do those things anymore? So there's a yep. lot of those things pulling exactly. you back and it's like, okay, well let's maybe let's just, yeah, go back to the simplify things. Yeah. And just go back to cultivating our story field so that when the time is ready to harvest, we can then we can build the barn. <laughs> You're just full of food metaphors today. Sarah, I'm um, hungry. I'm really hungry. <laughs> uh, so the other podcast, of course, that we teased was the Council Podcast, yeah. which is one that I think we're all still extremely excited to do. Um, and it's one that, again, I you know, I had hoped that we would be able to announce at the end of this series that, okay, we're going to launch from the end of this, this season, we're going to launch into... Uh, the first season of the Council Podcast. And um, the Council Podcast, for those of you who who um, haven't heard about this or who forgotten what this is about, is really uh, a world-building podcast where we, we throw out 
um, world building issues or ideas we've got for world building and then we we invite experts in to say how would this actually play out um, medical professionals talking about how um, certain magic might affect the body or things like that so that's something that we are still 100% committed to doing um, but we, we, again it's one of those things that we know that it really it's exciting from a uh, the point of view that I think we can get a lot of world building stuff out of it we can you know we yep. could use it as a, a good tool for that but really it's an audience building it's both. It's, it's, yeah, oh, man, it'd be so. so much fun. And I still want to do that. Yeah, but I think what we ran into with a lot of this stuff was it was we were just adding, adding, adding yeah. stuff to do. And when we looked at it, it was so the stressful. admin behind that because yeah. the, the admin of actually pulling together, uh, you know, we were going to do it once a month. Yeah, um, it's partially but that, but it's also, yes, I'm sorry. I don't, I mean, I, you're making me think again yeah, about that. Okay. Go ahead. No, so, so the admin, and, and I could see every time we talked about it, the, the stress that it was causing you to think about lining up guests, um, coming yep. up with that, trying to, you know, just, just pulling all that together. That was, there was a stressor. Every time we had this conversation, I said, what are we doing with the council podcast? What are we doing? And, and yeah. I could see you just recoiling and going, yeah. and you weren't ready for it. And well, so and part of it is that I know that once we have, if we spend that time to do that, some of our preemptive, like actually do the world building ourselves, like it's going to generate a lot more of that content yep. where we were going to have to start creating stuff just to make the podcast. Yeah. And it's that cycle of self-propagating projects that only exist to propagate themselves. Yep. That like <laughs> is what ends up being the most stressful. Yeah. I was going to say another thing with that, that I was thinking about is space, yeah. you know, because I, I remember when we first sat down in, in the fall and talked about the council was like, you know, the idea of having the big oval table and like everyone sitting down. And now, I mean, I guess you, you kind of have an office again, but like that logistics, I guess the, the quarantine was good because you know, we got into a workflow with like recording remotely and getting yep. pretty good at it. But that's like another concern too, is like, okay, so if you want to do this podcast, then not only do you have to take the time to do the world building, get all the people, get everyone on board, yep. find a time that works with five plus people. In multiple time zones. Where do you do it? Yep. You know, where do you sit down and record? Yep. That's like conducive to all, you know, so it's just like another um, added we, we built time. A, yeah. We built ourselves a, a nice little mountain to climb. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I did want to talk to Anna Dalgo about using the, uh, you know, Hotel de Ville's uh, yeah. conference you know, table. She but was super into it until yeah. the whole COVID thing happened. Yeah. 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 No, outside then she guess. turned it into a bike lane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paris jokes. Little Paris jokes uh, for you. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, that's, a, that's another one of those things that I just wanted to, to, to tidy up and say, look, absolutely. the council podcast is going to happen. Um, and patrons. Uh, so, you yeah, know, we're going to be pausing our one. Patreon from here. Um, so if you want to cancel your patronage over on Dread Gods, we'll be tearful, but we'll understand. But we're going to pause it so it won't charge you anymore. Yeah, so um, you can you can stay on there. Um, yep. We'll we'll keep we'll posting still, updating we'll from time to time. To yep. uh, so you can stay on there. You won't be charged, but you'll still you'll still be kept up to date. Yep. Uh, and and then you'll be the first in when yeah. we do start it back up. And we have yep. a lot of really fun plans. I think that's that's also what gets us excited and gets us started on so many paths at once. Is that we do have a lot of really fun ideas genuinely cool stuff um and i think that's what makes it hard but i i know i personally feel so much better about pausing everything putting the house in order first and then i think that that's just going to drive what comes next so hard yeah and we're going to be able to just pound stuff out really fast um that right now we again we'd be struggling to kind of fill as we pushed it off the, yeah. the line. Yeah. So I'm 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 really really excited for it. I think it's been hard for us collectively. We've had these conversations offline a little bit too, to get to that point. And maybe maybe you feel differently, but I feel like it's been a struggle to get to that point. But now I feel really good about saying, okay, let's take a moment. Yeah, and I, I look. I've 
noticed that from you, I think, uh, watching, you know, as we've been talking about the publishing, if we've been talking about jumping into um, you know, into the Nanton and, and, and trying to set a date on that and and watching, you know, your your stress levels about that, um, you know, and, and I could see that this was – and then and when you made that decision that, no, you know what, this can't happen yet um, – and and also your decision, which I you know learned about live in our last episode, that you're going to go back to vlogging every day. I, um, I can you figured see, it out. You figured yeah, it I figured out. it out. But you know, having like, I can see that that you know for you is the right decision um, for you know from you personally, but also from a business point of view, that's just the right decision at the moment. Is is for you to go back to you know to to that audience to that um, medium. Uh, in this environment that we're in in 2020, where, um, where the, uh, I just, uh, you know, you're going to have to, where, where tourism has gone down, where, you know, all these external things are happening that are, go back to the, the central thing. I, I think you, we're looking, so many businesses around the world are uh, facing the crunch and they're going back to the core thing and they're trying to figure out what is the, you know, they, they have to focus on that core thing that keeps them alive. And, um, and for us, for you, it's, it's the vlog. Uh, and just let, you know, keep working on the publishing in the background. Yeah. But let it happen at its own time. Let it happen. Um, I think it's exciting to let it do that too because I've been driving myself to make – I mean, I've written like 11 books. Like I think there was a personal frustration that came when we were talking with Jane um, – that came out while we were talking with Jane that was, man, I put so much work into it and like I don't really feel like it's really gone anywhere. And then like, oh, I put a lot of work into vlogging too. Don't get me wrong. Like the vlog is a lot of work, but I went somewhere. Um, and so that there, I, I also understand that inherent bias to like lean towards that because it's, it's, it's the, it's the button that's working to give me the sugar cubes. I'm so, <laughs> I can't <laughs> stop. I can't stop. Um, that was, that was a rat experiment. That right? was a rat experiment. Yeah. I was going to say morphine or whatever the drug was, but no, we're just we're safer to say sugar, sugar cubes, also yeah. a drug. Um, you know, but what's been beneficial then in our conversations and like in vlogging about it today and vlogging again is such a useful tool just to reflect on these things is like, Oh yeah. Like I love writing. I love making books. Mm. I want to make more. Okay. So I need to make sure it, it doesn't get the same time and attention right now. Cause it's not literally not paying the bills, but I, I still, I still believe in it. it. It will one day, you know? Yeah. It'll pay a bill one day. Maybe maybe my cell phone bill, which is twenty euros a month. That's why. <laughs> there we go. Lofty goals. Lofty. Yeah, yeah you got to start somewhere. Got to yeah. start somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I think I think we're that's a pretty good place to sort of close it up. But before we go, like, are there any other? Uh, we talked about the the main action point being the value statement uh, and not closing out that. Is there anything else that that you missed that we feel like we haven't closed off on this episode? Well, I think that season? we because we we started out doing really well about listing our action points and felt accountable to our audience to tell them what it was when we came back. And I think that the action point that we should walk away from this one is that in a broad sense, got to get back to the writing. Yeah. But for us, Fantasy Fridays need to happen. Again. Fantasy Fridays need to happen. So we need to yeah. we need to set dedicated uh, a weekly meeting where we sit down and are nerds yep. about the world that we're creating. Uh, and that I think if we can be if we can start there and be consistent there, uh, I think things will grow from there. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, pinky swear, fantasy, <laughs> fantasy Fridays. Yeah, yeah, social distance, pinky swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were air pinky swearing now. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think um, 
from my point of view, um, um, from my yeah, I absolutely agree that that for me committing to that for you as well. Um, uh, you know this this whole you know it's been a real lesson for me in terms of trying to manage work around being a, a parent uh, and yeah. being you know the sole not the sole parent I have well, a wife the primary, there, but, but the primary caregiver um uh cut that out don't let my wife hear yeah, that one so um, we lost at least to yeah. covid uh, <laughs> um no but you know for me it it has been you know it's been a real challenge to to you know work with that around um uh, the the schedule around that but you know for me that's definitely how can i be more available for you how can i make sure i'm structuring my world you know in my life to make sure that i'm less haphazard in the in the help that i'm giving you because i i understand that's one of the and and that's been something you've given me is is the ability to to work in a very flexible way but uh i think if i'm going to be real value to you going forward i i need to work harder on on creating that structure separating those two out and, and making sure that that there is that time to deep dive with you regularly and yep. not just you know oh so i think it'd be yeah. good if we set time make yeah. some structure to fill like that again yeah. that's actually been a theme of the whole thing too is like we i think we went too far down the track of making structure for its own sake in a way we need to make yeah. the structure we need now to fill it yep and then move from there and yeah. i think that starting with like okay a weekly nerd out session is a great place to start and it's a fun place to start so it's its own reward and then I think that'll give us the motivation we need to go from there. Yeah. Today's podcast is made possible by our magnanimous patrons whose contributions directly impact our work here as well as the future of the project. They are the best. They are Jody Ferguson, Kevin, Karen Bates, Mystery Man, Susan French, Dixie Rose, David Guy, Figure 7-3, Steve, Jane Baker, Timeless Founder Capital, and Mr. and Mrs. DJ Poser. Thank you all so very much. Thank you, guys. Really. Building the Oracle is mixed and produced by Zach Egan, co-hosted by Richard Bilkey, mascotted proudly by his four-legged friend Gustav, and is written and hosted by yours truly. Our theme music is Glory, and our ad music, which we didn't use this episode, is Light, both by David Cutter, who you can find and support directly on Patreon, and our newsletter is assembled with love by our very own Kate Weber. Don't forget that you can support my ongoing work at patreon.com slash jswanson if you want to actively support our work as we move forward. If you'd like to you know, passively support our work through spiritual means. You can always support us still at patreon.com slash dreadgods and then have the surprise someday in the future when we reactivate it and you get charged one month and you didn't see it coming. That is an option as well. Whenever that itch grows too strong to resist. Don't forget to rate and review Building the Oracle on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts or Gustav will rub up against and shed on all of your formal dining wear. Yeah, so much vacuuming. Oh my gosh, the tuxedos he ruins. My name is Jay Swanson, and thank you again for listening. Tune back in whenever it is that we start making this podcast again. Please don't unsubscribe from us. We promise we'll be back. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. See you in season two.